Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. This is too much. No, don't do this to me. You can see, friends, how this was something she had carried for a long, long time. Second Kings 4 and 17. But the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come, of which Elisha had told her, and the child grew. Now it happened one day that he went out to his father, to the reapers, and he said to his father, My head, my head. So he said to a servant, Carry him to his mother. When he had taken him and brought him to his mother, He sat on her knees till noon, and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him, and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, Please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys, that I may run to the man of God and come back. Wait a minute, this is not one of those happily ever after stories, right? It's not quite there yet. Well, in the heat of the workday, after her son had grown up a bit, Her son had this sudden, violently bad headache and and died. I mean, he wasn't just sick, friends. He didn't just pass out. He was dead. So instead of cry and wail and curse God's name for it and shake her fist at the Lord, how dare you tease me? I told you not to lie to me. What did she do? She laid him on Elisha's bed, and she took action. Urgent faith, friends. She took action to consult with the Lord again. Friends, consider that this woman had seen what faith could do during the entire year that she had waited to have a son. Plus, through all the time that the child grew, however old he was, we don't know, but she saw him grow up. So she didn't just break out of control in all despair and freak out and go crazy. Oh, Lord, why did you do this Do this to me? What did she do? She Moved again by urgent faith, she acted to inquire of the Lord. So she asked her husband for transportation to make a run out to Elisha, the man of God. Second Kings 4 and 23. So he said, why are you going to him today? It is neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, it is well. Then she saddled a donkey and said to her servant, drive and go forward. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. And so she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. Okay, friends, I want you to notice that she did not tell her husband that their son had died. Okay, now in our culture today, I have to say this. I'm sorry, but not sorry, but I've got to say it. Ladies, this story does not give you the biblical permission to keep things from your husband so that you can work around him. Okay, just because a woman And the Bible did something like this. It does not give all women permission to do the same. 
However, I think the text offers us some clues as to why she did this. She didn't tell him what was wrong. She said everything is all right when it wasn't. Now, let's look at what the text gave us. I don't think her husband was faithful. I, I think he was religiously ritualistic because he said it's not the Sabbath or the new moon. He was kind of thinking, why do you want to consult with the Lord when there's no special religious day happening? It's kind of like somebody saying, well, why do you want to pray? It's not Sunday. I mean, <laughs> well, we should pray all the time. Yeah, well, there's no special thing going on. I mean, it's not. Why do you want to go see the man of God? What's the big deal here? I think it's highly possible that even after this man saw the Lord's blessing of getting this son, he was not a faithful believer. He was just a superficial, ritualistic man of mere religiousness. He just he didn't have it. Okay, not like she did. I think it's probable that she was running by faith and he was not. So since time was critical, she didn't want to waste time in some kind of a bullheaded religious argument that would just get him all wound up. So she said, hey, everything's fine. Everything's okay. Just because she wanted to get on a donkey and book it down to Elisha as quick as she could get there. Again, ladies, uh, wives, this is not your permission slip to disregard and work around your husband. Let's just keep it close to the context of the story here, okay? He was not operating by faith. He was never going to get it. She was. She's urgent. She's desperate. Maybe she didn't handle it the best. Don't take this as your permission slip. So she's going to get down to Elisha now in 2 Kings 4 and 25. So it was when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to his servant Gehazi, Look, the Shunammite woman, please run to meet her and say to her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, It is well. Now, when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. Okay, just like she said to her husband, Everything's okay, everything's fine. She said the same thing to Gehazi, Everything's all right. So I'm going to reemphasize that this was not a matter of her working around anybody. She was simply trying to get directly to the Lord's prophet as quickly as possible. She was trying to take her matter directly to the Lord first. If there's anything we can learn from this passage, it's really the main idea is this. Anytime you have a desperate situation, the first thing you need to do is take it up with the Lord. You need to pray. Okay, that's what she's trying to do here. She's taking it up with the Lord. So Elisha, he recognized her grief that was so extreme that only a mother could have for her children. He, This is a mom's pain here that he saw. Something's wrong. What's up with the husband, the child? Something's going. Who is it? The Lord often gave his prophets foreknowledge up front, but this time he didn't. Remember, King Ahab's wife was disguised and came to that prophet, and the Lord said, hey, by the way, that's Ahab's wife. She's dressed up different, so just want you to know it's her, right? You, you, couldn't, you can't sneak around these prophets, but for some reason, the Lord did not tell Elisha. Now, her act of grasping Elisha's feet, that was an extreme act of humility. It was an act of need. It was a desperate act that she had something very wrong, and he didn't know what it was. 2 Kings 4 and 28. So she said, did I ask a son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? Okay, she's saying like, I didn't ask for the, I didn't ask for the son. 
It's kind of like, why did the Lord give me a son only to take him out already? She's hurt. She Maybe she's a little mad. I don't know. But let me say this here. I previously advised the women how not to work around their husband. So now for the men, here's one for you now, okay? I'm, I'm jumping on everybody today. <laughs> this is biblical advice on how to listen to a woman. Listen to her. Notice that she did not actually tell Elisha why she was there. As a woman, her first words were not to say what happened, but to express how she felt about what happened. Okay, this woman erupted with her emotions. She didn't say what happened. She talked about how she felt about it. She lost all her hope. Guys, when you listen to a lady speak, listen to her. She may not tell you exactly what happened so much as she's telling you how she feels about what happened. I know as guys, we were fixers. What broke so I can fix it? What broke? So while you're listening to your your lady, if you try to get in the mode of fixing what's broke, she's going to feel like you're trying to fix her and she's going to kill you, okay? Let her talk. Let her let her throw it up, whatever she's got to do. Let her get her emotions out. But Elisha let her do that. That was her first reaction. Elisha now knew right away what this meant that her son had died. 2 Kings 4:29. Then he said to Gehazi, get yourself ready and take my staff in your hand and be on your way. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not answer him, but lay my staff on the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. Now Gehazi went on ahead of them and laid the staff on the face of the child but there was neither voice nor hearing. Therefore, he went back to meet him and told him, saying, the child has not awakened. Okay, Elisha's staff on the boy. What is this about? Elisha's staff, it was another one of the symbols of authority of God that a prophet carried. It's kind of similar to that cloak that he had inherited from Elijah. Remember, they struck the water and it parted the Jordan River. It was a symbol of authority. So putting this staff on the boy's face would let everyone know that the authority of the Lord was already at work on that boy's situation. And so verse 31 says, he sent Gehazi on ahead to get things moving quickly as possible. Don't say hi to nobody. Don't stand around and talk. Don't smell the roses. Get my staff on that boy and do it fast, pronto. Now, friends, imagine if he had told the boy's mother, well, I'll get around to it later. Uh, I'll get to it eventually. I'm busy today. I've got a big list of things I got to do. Gosh, there's so much going on. Friends, that would demonstrate that he really didn't care. He had to act with urgent faith. Second Kings 4 and 32. When Elisha came into the house, there was the child lying dead on his bed. He went in, therefore, shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. And he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself out on the child, and the flesh of the child became warm. He returned and walked back and forth in the house, and again went up and stretched himself out on him. Then the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. Wow! Okay, this child was dead. He wasn't just asleep, wasn't in a coma. He was dead. He was gone. Okay, this story is kind of weird, you know, to cover the boy's body with his own. But 
the boy's cold, dead body became warm from the warmth of Elisha's own living body and from the Lord miraculously transferring life to the dead. You could say the boy acclimated to him. Now, I have had fish tanks for a long time, and whenever you go buy pet fish from the pet store, you bring them back in the little bag. You don't just dump them straight in the water of your own fish tank at home. You float them. You take the bag that that they're in that you brought back from the pet store with, and you float them in your tank's water because the temperature difference, they have to acclimate. Leave them in there 15, 20, 30 minutes. Their water will acclimate to the water of the fish tank, and then you can turn them loose and everything's okay. So that's what this acclimation was like. The boy acclimated to Elisha. And so the child sneezed seven times, which is the number seven in the Bible is the number of completeness. This means that whatever it was that was still in his body that could ail him, the Lord completely removed it from his body. He purged him of whatever was in there. Second Kings 4 and 36. And he called Gehazi and said, Call this Shunammite woman. So he called her. And when she came into him, he said, Pick up your son. So she went in, fell at his feet, and bowed to the ground. Then she picked up her son and went out. How nice it was that she took the time to express her thankfulness before just taking her blessing away. She had thankfulness for the blessing first. She expressed her gratitude to the Lord because he had given her a son, but now he had rewarded her again by raising him from the dead to a miraculous new life. So see, friends, there's a lot of parallels that we can draw from these stories to apply to ourselves. And here's the first one. All of us have gotten caught under a huge debt. How do we do that? Well, we all sinned, and we got caught under the debt of sin. And we all became slaves to this debt. And the sin debt that we owed was going to drag us all away and destroy our family in the kingdom of God. And that debt was so big, we would have never been able to work our way out of it. John eight thirty four. Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, Whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. So that was the situation of the widow. She had to, her kids were going to be dragged off for a debt to be slaves. Friends, we sinned. We were going to be dragged off to a place called hell, condemnation for all eternity, and we would have been slaves there. Well, now let's switch over to the notable woman. As sinners under a heavy debt, we've all had that deep down pain like the notable woman had, that heavy burden that just sat on us, that wouldn't go away. There was nothing we could do about it. Money was certainly not going to be able to take care of it, like the notable woman's situation. There was nothing we could even say about it. It was nothing but defeat, pain, and sorrow. It was kind of like, well, I guess this is the way it is. It just is for me. I'm a sinner, and too bad for me, right? It was nothing but defeat and sorrow and pain. But even though the notable woman was hurt and broken, God gave her a son. And friends, even though we were hurt and broken by sin, God gave us a son also. 1 John 4, 9. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Isn't that great, guys? So think about the notable woman's son. 
was raised back up from the dead to miraculous new life. Friends, God the Father raised Jesus back up from the dead too, so that we could have miraculous new life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. (laughs) So remember how this woman had lived during a time of great apostasy in Israel, all around everywhere. All that Baal worship was going on of that false god. But yet, even though she lived in such a bad time as that, the Lord still blessed her faithfulness. Romans 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Friends, I want you to take comfort that right now today, although this whole world is falling headlong into sin, I mean, it's bad, the Lord can still reward your faithfulness. Even though you were a sinner, Christ still died for you. Now remember, the reason why she had laid her son on Elisha's bed, that was the first act she did. That was her act of giving her son's life over to the Lord. She was going to consult with the Lord God. She knew the Lord God would do something about it. She knew that the Lord God could raise him back up again. Friends, the gospel message is that we all sinned We got thrown under an impossible debt that was going to make us slaves forever. And sin put a deep pain way down into us all. But if you will lay your old life down before the Lord, like she did by putting that son on Elisha's bed, if you will lay your old life down before the Lord, your old dead life, and if you do it believing that he will raise you up, then I'll tell you what, guys. He will. Romans 8, 11, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So that means if He raised Jesus, He'll raise you too. (laughs) So remember when I asked how many of you would have loved to have seen that miracle happen when the Lord filled all those big jars from the little one. Wouldn't you have just loved to have seen that happen? Well, guess what? You can see that happen. How, Ray? In the Bible, oil is a metaphor that refers to the Holy Spirit. Now, like that widow woman's small jar, you and I are just one small vessel. But from you, many other people can be filled. So here's my idea here on this. Don't be complacent about your own salvation and just say, well, I'm saved, good for me. Rather, be like those two women and be like Elisha that had urgent faith and get out there and tell people the gospel of Jesus. Because whenever someone accepts the gospel of Jesus and they come to believe, they get the Holy Spirit in them. So this is how you and I get to see that great miracle happen of one small vessel pouring into many others. When the Lord uses you, just one vessel with the Holy Spirit oil, to fill many others with Holy Spirit salvation, that takes them out from their slave debt, and then it puts them into having enough to live on for the rest of their lives, which is eternal life. So if you really wish you could have seen that miracle in that widow's house, then that means you should really want to get out there in the world and tell a lot of people about Jesus Christ. If Elisha had not acted with urgent faith to quickly run towards the dead boy 
to raise him up again, then it would have shown the boy's mother that he really didn't care. I just don't care. I got too much other things to do. Friends, sadly, too many Christians are not very urgent in their faith to run with the life-giving gospel towards those who are dead in sin. What does it show people when we just don't seem to care about getting the gospel out there? We need to show the world that we really do care. Don't just pretend to have faith on Sunday or the Sabbath or the new moon or whatever, because then you'll just be like that woman's husband that said, but today's not a special religious day. He didn't look like he was really in it to win it. Friends, every day, every person, whether they are poor or notable, they all need Jesus. We need to pray with the lost. We need to spend time with them. We need to help acclimate their cold, dead lives to the warmth of God's love. And like Elisha, he laid on that boy. It's like we need to get out there and we need to spend time with people, close time, develop relationships, acclimate them into the body of Christ. Now, friends, this is God's own personal blessing for them to be saved from the overwhelming debt of slavery. And so we should be motivated to search out this whole town, the city you live in, like the woman that looked for all the vessels that she could find. We should be motivated to search out this whole town for every empty life that we can find, believing with urgent faith that the Lord has the power to raise them up again and to fill every one of them with new life. Friends, urgent faith brings great blessing. John 640, everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. Friends, that's a promise because He said, I will. He didn't say, I might raise Him or your chances are good. He said, I will. I will raise Him up at the last day. But you've got to give your old dead life to the Lord God. And Christian, if you're truly a believer, as you claim to be, if you really wish you could have seen that miracle happen, then get out there and go see it. See many lives get filled with the life, Holy Spirit of the Lord God. You will see that miracle happen, but you got to be urgent about your faith. Don't get into that superficial, shallow faith. Oh, it's not, I'll, I'll wait for Sunday. It's not a new moon. It's not a Sabbath. Come on. Every day we can have urgent faith about something. There's a lot of need in the world. Shouldn't we do that? Friend, if you're listening to me today and you have not given your life to the Lord and you'd like to, please follow with me in prayer, and you can have that transference from death to life. You will step from one side to the other. You can be moved from condemnation to eternal life. Pray with me. Father, forgive me I have sinned. I realize I was under a great debt of slavery that was going to take me away to destruction, and I'd never be able to pay my way out. I have a pain on me that is deep, and I don't understand why it's there. Lord, deliver me from this. Thank you that you paid my way for me on that cross when you were crucified. I accept your gift. You are now the Lord. I now follow you. I won't do things my way anymore. Thank you for my new life. I give it to you. I lay my old life down for you. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, I want you to know that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. Thank 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.